Would you pretty please stand with me? In other countries, when the president walks in the room, when the king of Thailand walks in the room, they pop up straight faster than you can imagine. So let's stand for him and let's agree in prayer. Father, 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 we exalt you and we magnify your name. Before the foundations of the earth, you saw who would be here tonight. And you have prepared a word just for their hearts and just for this season. I love how you love. And I just ask tonight that all heaven would come to our aid, that you would give us whatever presence, whatever power, so that your heart is released purely and every one of my brothers and sisters can receive everything you have for them tonight. I just feel you hovering in the atmosphere with a tenderness. And yet a tenderness that comes from a power restrained. Because you're holding back the power that you will release in them step by step by step tonight. So we just want you to have a good night, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We just want you to be yourselves. We want to co-labor so you can just love and teach and transform and heal and deliver and empower and just do everything on your heart for your people. So we want you to know this is a house where you are free. Do anything you delight in. And we know that if at the end of the night you can breathe a sigh of relief and you would have had a good night, we would have had a night beyond words. So we welcome you. And now in a spirit of agreement, would you pretty please put your hand over your heart and would you say with me, oh, Holy Spirit, please give me the power to receive all the love you have for me. Oh, Holy Spirit, please give me the power To receive all the love you have for me. To the glory of Jesus. Amen and amen. Have a seat. Have a seat and have a wonderful seat with Jesus. One of the things that Jesus wants to get deep in your heart tonight will transform you. It will transform everything about the way you think, the way you pray, the way you handle the situations of life. It's a love gift. And so may you just 
soak, soak, soak it in. All right? All right. You know this prayer. John chapter 17. Oh, Father, I do not pray for my disciples only, but I pray for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I'm in you, that they would be in us, so that the world may believe you sent me, Father. The glory that you have given me, Father, I give it to them, that they may be one even as we are one. In Genesis 1, there is this beautiful, beautiful passage that is saturated with love when it says, God said, let us make man in our own image. And in between the lines, he was revealing his heart. He used the word that was plural for God, Elohim. So it was the father saying, I don't do anything by myself. And the son saying, I don't do anything by myself. And the spirit saying, I don't do anything by myself either. And when he said, in our image, he was saying, look at us. We are the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we need each other. And we want to make you in our image where you need us and you need one another. It was hard for us to understand that. I think it still is. Much less harder for us to walk in it and receive it. But Jesus tried to role model it for us. Philippians 2 says he lays aside all his godliness. And the Greek word kenosis is the picture of like if I have a glass of water and I don't just empty it like this. I turn it upside down until every drop of water is out of the glass. And so Jesus is saying, do you see me? I'm the son of man. I left all my godliness in heaven, every bit of it, Scripture said. And he came with a pure bloodline but in a human body to show us. And then he showed us. And all throughout the Gospels, what does he say more than he says anything else? I can do nothing on my own. I just say what the Father tells me to say and I just do what the Father tells me to do. And there's the paradigm. You've heard it a zillion times. I know you have, probably from me. Some of you guys who've been around a while. Listen to how Paul says it. It's in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. I'm going to read the Amplify because it's just powerful. And remember, when Paul says God told him something, he's not making it up. He means 
I verbally, I know God said this word for word, okay? And he said to me, my grace and my favor and my loving kindness and my mercy, it's enough. It's sufficient against any danger, and it will enable you to bear anything. For my strength and power are made perfect. They're fulfilled and they're completed, and they show themselves most effective in your weakness. Paul says, well, therefore, I will all the more gladly glory in my weaknesses, my infirmities, that the strength and the power of Christ the Messiah may rest on me. Yes, pitch a tent and dwell over me. And some of you who are dear friends, you know it's a favorite verse of mine. And in the Greek, it's this picture. In the very moment that I say, I'm weak. Now, just so you know, it's not what we think is weakness. It's not saying, oh, I'm no good at this. I have low self-esteem. I don't know how to do this. I'm not good at this kind of wisdom or this. It has nothing to do with that. The picture is that Paul had such a glimpse of the power, the power and the love and the mercy of God that Paul says, when I look at him, even my best gifts, my best anointings, my best et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it's nothing. It's, it's just weakness. And he says, I glory in the fact that I'm human like the Son of Man was human. And I glory in the fact that when I look at him, any of my efforts is weak. And I think that's awesome. And I glory in it. And I celebrate it. And when I celebrate that I don't have to love according to my personality, I don't have to make decisions according to my mind, when I glory in that, in the very moment I say, I prefer your higher The picture in the Greek is he rises from his throne, runs to my side, and he pitches a tent, a tabernacle like David's tabernacle, pitches a tabernacle over me and pours his glory on me. Now, A side note, I think all you guys are mature, you know this. You will never touch glory from your position of strength. Never, never, never. Not knowing this, know how to pray, never from feeling strength, you will not touch the glory. Jesus never did. He never approached the Father from a position of strength except a strength in the vision of, Father, you love me. Just, what do you want me to say, Father? What do you want me to do, Father? He was celebrating his weakness. I'm the son of man now. I don't have my glory like I had in heaven. What do you think, Father? There is a a beautiful verse in Psalm 91. You probably know that Psalm 91 is written by Moses. And, And he really is 
kind of rehearsing how he's gotten through the wilderness and oh, you've been my refuge, you've been the shadow over me, you've protected me from this and protected me from that. And then suddenly, it's no longer Moses writing the psalm. He's like, Paul, he goes, wait a minute. God's talking. God's responding to my psalm. And Hashem, the God Most High, said, Because he loves me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. And when he calls on me, verse 15, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him, and I will honor him. Now, we've heard that so much in English, it's almost lost its power. Listen to the Hebrew. The Father says, you love me? You turn to me? Can, can I show you, the father says, what you do to my heart? He says, I'll promise you this. When you call, I'm going to answer you. And when you're in trouble, now for me, this is where the Hebrew just makes me laugh. I mean, it just makes me laugh. Because the word for trouble can go everything from anxiety to calamity. But it also has a second meaning. It can mean a, a rival wife. Like the problem a man has when he's got two wives. Isn't that hilarious? I think, God, you've got the coolest sense of humor. And he's going, now, you know, do you get the picture here, Israel? I am to be your spouse, but you got a lot of other spouses going on on the side. And so do we. Jesus is to be our spouse, and sometimes our rival wife who gets our attention are the thoughts in our head that go on a habit trail. Trying to analyze this. What am I going to do about this? What about this? Anybody resonating? Anybody here got a second wife? <laughs> second spouse, you know? And it's Moses. Moses is going... God, you've been this for me, and you've rescued me from this, and you've rescued me from this. And Hashem, the father who knows Moses' heart, says, Moses, I also know what it was like for you, son, when Israel had a bunch of wives. Bunch of things getting their attention and getting their love, and they just couldn't be focused on me. He says, but I promise you this, son. When anyone calls out to me, I'll answer. And whomever, whatever, however, is rivaling their love and their attention and receiving love from me, I will step into that relationship. Not just people, but relationship with your thoughts, your hurts, your wounds, your insecurities. I'm going to step into that. And I will rescue you. But the word rescue is a military term. 
It's God saying, you've been on the front lines and you've been arm wrestling with whatever is disrupting you. And I'm coming to the front lines, and it's the picture of a commanding officer picking up a soldier, removing them from the front lines, bringing them back for two specific purposes. I'm going to refresh you and take every impact of that struggle, that battle, whatever it is, off of you. And secondly, I will resupply you with whatever you need to be triumphant. But all you got to do is go, I need some help. And then the Most High God, Hashem himself, said, the person who calls me and lets me come and help them, I will honor them. Now to us, that may not sound very powerful, but the word in the Hebrew was kabod. In other words, I will reach into my very being and the very glory that I carry, I'm putting it on you. The weighty, heavy glory of God I put on the one who needs me. In everything. Jesus knows all the scriptures when he comes as a man. So he knows. What do you want me to say, Father? The glory comes on him. Father, what do you want me to do with the day? The glory of God comes on him. And Paul learned it. He said, I've learned. I can preach on my own. I can love on my own personality. I can do this. But Paul says, I've learned. I've learned, I've learned, I've learned that he's far beyond me. And he loves it when I let him live his life with me. And when I say, I don't know how to pray. Will you show me how to pray? If you can just hit pause for a little bit and wait yourself time to realize he just released the glory of God on you. For every moment, every detail of life, you can live there. The Old Testament prophesied that the glory of the latter temple will exceed that of the former temple. And in those days, they were thinking of the physical building of the temple but what he didn't realize, he was prophesying that the glory upon you as the temple will far exceed the glory that was on any temple in the Old Testament. But you see, you must understand that the glory of God was so heavy upon the tabernacle of David that people from nations came because they could visibly see the cloud of glory. They could visibly feel the cloud of glory. They weren't even believers. It was so palpable. 
what was prophesied was if you can just need me, I will put a glory on you. And in John 17, Jesus says, Father, in essence, I walked this earth and I needed you and you put your glory on me. The weight of your presence, your wisdom, your, mm, everything that is you, Father, you put it on me as a human man. And now I'm reaching inside myself and I'm giving them the same inheritance. That if they'll just need you. Father, I will put the weight of the most high God on them. Because he dreamed of making you in his image. Living in that space is totally different. There is an abiding rest in you. There is a confidence that when you open your mouth, the words of Jesus will come out, not yours. There is a confidence, expectation in every moment you don't have to pray and pray about this and what about this and what about that and you don't have to get lost in your thoughts even though they're good and you don't have to keep trying and you, you don't have to say well I don't I don't I don't know what I what he said you know it's so simple a child can do it some of you have heard me tell this, but the father just brought it to my heart. When, um, when my nieces were toddlers, two of them were incredibly petite. The other one was not. And we were uh, gone to the beach as a family. We were walking around the pavilion, and one of them became tired, the one that was not petite. And so I'm carrying her around and then just carrying her and carrying her in this precious little chunk. And her mother said, get down and walk. You are too heavy for Susan to carry. But what Chelsea did was she turned around. She put her hands on both sides of my face. And she said, Susan, am I too heavy to love? <laughs> Obviously, I did not put that child down. Now, I don't know who that's for, but someone in the room feels like you're too heavy to love. That something's wrong with your faith or wrong with what you're doing, and it's not working out the way you think, and you kind of feel less than and left out. And for some reason, Jesus wants you to know he's not putting you down. He will hold you until you believe you are not too heavy to love.
dear ones, he adores you. Do you know what excites him the most? When you just let him help you. And it's okay to say, I have faith, but compared to the faith you have, wow, Holy Spirit, would you let me have the faith of God? Do you know that's your inheritance? And you may say, I love loving people. Awesome, that's God in you. But what if you were created to go beyond your personality? Father, would you give me the power to love like you? Some of you may remember last spring, we did a thing on the sevenfold power of the Holy Spirit, the power words that define his relationship to us. And one of them was the Greek word didomai that says he will give you the power to love in the same capacity and intensity as Jesus himself. So I, I think this message is it's just incredibly simple. That glory shows up in unexpected places. The places where we can say, my ability, my, are you? Oh, Holy Spirit, give me the power to receive what to say in this conversation. Oh, Holy Spirit, show me how to walk this out. Oh, Holy Spirit. And to know he's running to you, saying, oh, you'll let me live in you with freedom and pour myself through you. I'm going to pitch my tabernacle of glory over you like I did my son. When Jesus begins his prayer in John 17, He sums up the way he's been living, and he sets his face to the one-line prayer that will carry him through to the resurrection. He just says, Father, glorify me that I may glorify you. And he understood. Glory comes from needing him and wanting to live in a higher realm. Do you know that's your inheritance? To pray, Father, glorify me that I may glorify you, that my mind is yours, my heart is yours, my prayers, my decisions, my laugh, my love, my mercy, Glorify me. And that's one of the reasons we're not citizens of this world. Our sight is set up higher. And it is like Genesis 1 where God comes into darkness. He's very comfortable in darkness. And he says, light be. 
and he slowly begins separating things out and the light and the dark and the sky and the water and the birds and the fish. And he's very peaceful with the process. He's very peaceful step by step, turning nothingness into beauty. And so don't believe he's ever frustrated with you. He's good with process. And the process of realizing, like the Amplified of 2 Corinthians 8, 3, that says the one who truly loves him with prompt obedience, affection, and recognition that all blessings come from him, that one is loved by him, counted worthy of his intimacy and his own by. His heart is wide open to you tonight to say, want to need me in a higher realm? Even a place where you're already successful? You, you want me to come in and put glory on that? Glory in the unexpected place of just saying, I need you. Glorify me so I can glorify you.